Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Today's episode shall be looking at all things animated, and by that I mean animation films or animated films, however you want to put it. Uh, we're going to be looking at all those lovely gems that we love to see that aren't live action and have been created either through computer animation, stop motion animation, and various other crudes and kinds of animation and for this episode today i've got a good friend of mine on to and special guest to help me talk about his favorite animated films and mine and give you a few top recommendations for these kind of films if you want to watch them especially nowadays if you want something to watch that's a bit different from your usual film set here's going to be a whole list of them uh, but before we get on to that remember Keep following us on the social media. Follow us on Take 97 Twitter and Instagram accounts, especially Instagram for all our image-based content and all the potential polls where you might get to have your say in terms of what happens on the podcast, any potential ideas for reviews or content that we might have in future episodes. Uh, so get onto those. But now, back to the main point of this episode, I shall introduce my guest today. As I just said, he's a very good friend of mine. We met during our days on a HND course, a high national diploma in creative media production, uh, which lasted two years, but we've actually known each other for about five years now. Can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> Nearly six at the time of this recording. And he is Oliver Marvin, or Ollie, as I like to call him. How are you doing, Ollie? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. No um, yeah. Really fun to be here. <laughs> you sounded very surprised then. <laughs> <laughs> I have not planned anything I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, this podcast is all about the chill and the going with the flow, so it would be absolutely fine. But yeah, just to give people a bit of context, I, obviously I've said who you are briefly to me, but could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do in your spare time in relation to like creative-based work and other such interests that you have beyond our strange relationship, which somehow has managed to last about five years. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm Ollie. I, like David said, I used to do a media course with him. I've always sort of very much had a love for stop motion videos. Um, and I am working currently on a couple of short stop motion films, which hopefully I'll get out in the next year. Sort of very much when I'm not working, I like to try and work on a YouTube channel and try and get that bit built, built up. Yeah, excellent. Uh, and I, I can safely say I've provided uh, my dulcet tones to one of your little mini projects on your YouTube channel uh, related to one of our shared pastimes of Doctor Who. Uh, and I can safely say they are quite fun and I'm looking forward to seeing the stop motion projects evolve as we go through in this. Uh, as, is there any particular hints or little sneak peeks you can give us about what they are? Are they Doctor Who related or have you got something else in the pipeline as well? One will possibly be Doctor Who related. Um, the others are three... Um, probably going to be Lego stop motions. Um, one is based off a very old radio play that we did. It was for like first week we ever we knew each other and just giving that a bit of visual. And the other two were just a couple of old ideas I've had, which have gone actually while we're all locked inside in a pandemic, might as well do this. You're not having to interact with people and it's a good way of still being creative while not being able to do other filmmaking type things. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I look forward to those with great bated breath. <laughs> uh, but what I will say now, just to sort of 
unfrazzle you because I know I kind of put you on the spot there. Uh, we'll get back to our main topic of today, which I did prep you for before we started recording, um, is animated films. Now, obviously, for anyone who's using this as like their starter's guide to film and film studies or just general film watching, obviously animated films, it's what it says on the tin. It's all to do with films that aren't acted out or created through the use of live action. So actual people aren't they like they're not on screen except for i would probably actually say one of the films one of ollie's picks today does actually kind of mix that rule up a little bit but we'll get to that in a minute uh but most of the time they are created through either computer generated images set on uh, computers such as you know the likes of pixar have capitalized themselves a lot on that the old school disney films in terms of their 2d animation in like all just sketches laid out in like individual frames of a film uh, as if like you know the little flip books that you get those ones that a little bit like that and then obviously you know there's much much more animated content coming in to merge live action together as well such as the new disney films uh, what, what do you think ollie of the um of like the new Disney sort of effort to use, they call them live action films, but a lot of them, like especially The Lion King, they say it's a live action film, but really it's just yeah, new animation. I've got a slight confession. I've not watched many of the classic Disney films. And in fact, my first time watching The Lion King was actually the live action version. <laughs> but I think, like you said, it's like as much as they say it's live action, a lot of the films, and with exceptions, but a lot of them are still relying a lot on CG animation, which I think a lot of mainstream films these days are. Yeah, exactly. Um, and sort of, particularly films such as um, Gardens of the Galaxies or Avengers, you've got characters and stuff who are completely CGI based mm. with um, voice actors and are more and on the set are actually just sort of represented in a way. They're not actually an actual physical prop. Yeah, no, I I get that absolutely, and I yeah, I it's a very fine line these days, isn't it? Between because you get the likes of like you just say Guardians of the Galaxy, the live action stuff, and for superhero films where you have a lot of CGI based uh, characters in line with live action ones. I, I hmm. feel it, it it's really to be honest for me, the Lion King, uh, the new Lion King, is probably the only one that sort of bites me a little bit in the fact that they call it live action. But yeah, we all know it's. I mean, it's photorealistic animation. That we'll say that. But it's. I would never call it live action. Live action for me is definitely even with special effects like CGI special oh, effects. Yeah. No, it's... That's. I still count that as live action. But like. Uh, in my opinion, The Lion King is not a live-action film. It's definitely no, I think, it's photorealistic animation at, at its best. No, I completely agree on that. It's um, yeah, you pretty much summed it up it perfectly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's a debate. I was expecting more of a debate from you then, but no, that's good. We we are all yeah, on the it's... same page here. Yeah? If anybody out there in the in the podcast sphere would like to disagree with me and say why it is should be classed live-action and not just photorealistic animation. Uh, pl please do let us know, but I will continue to tell you that you're wrong. Um, <laughs> um, but we'll get back to the main point of this. I want to go through your top five animation films. And I'm, so I'm very happy because you gave me a list of them before we started. Uh, and I'm very pleased to say that none of them uh, cross that silly boundary that The Lion King does. Uh, so would you like <laughs> to take it away with the first one? So I'll give you a little bit of a sort of intro to these all these films there's various different types of animation including the one that i mentioned which does mix a bit of live action 
uh, personage in there. But for the most part, I'll let Ollie talk about the films individually. So would you like to give us the first one that you've got on your list, your end? So, yeah, so um, I'd almost be going from bottom to top because uh, number one would be my sort of top favourite movie. So yeah, fifth one is The Simpson Movie. Um, so that came out... 2007 yeah 2007 what um, a <laughs> <laughs> i would have been about 10 when it came out and i was just that age where parents were just just about fine with me watching the simpsons i remember actually going to see that in the cinema it's one of the first films not exactly the first one but it's one of the first films i remember going to see in the cinema Mm, yeah I, um, I feel the same about that one actually yeah uh, up with like harry potter i feel like the simpsons movie was yeah, like the gateway into it I mean, it's one of the. Fun- I still find it one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Um, and it's very, it's very quotable. Whenever someone says it's the worst day of their life, I'll always finish it off with the worst day of your life so far. Um, <laughs> and I think that's a good, a really good thing for a film when it sticks with you. Um, it's got that whole um, quotability and that same sort of level that the, especially the older Simpsons episodes used to have. Mm, yeah. No. Exactly. Um, and I think we're so like the Simpsons. It's not everyone would like it, but it's probably everyone knows who the Simpsons are. Yeah, and it's got a little bit of something for everyone, really. I feel like exactly. both adults, children, uh, well, children of a certain age, anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like you say, um, but I do feel it's quite an ironic pick of yours to pick right now, actually, given the situation that we've been going through this past year and going into this new year as this episode <laughs> goes out. The fact that yeah. it's all the central plot is all about the all the, our beloved characters from the series that we know and love. Uh, being literally locked inside because they are the source of a contagious uh, mutated swamp disease thing. <laughs> so they isolate yeah, them. I wonder why I was thinking of it that day. <laughs> An isolated bubble. Uh, I just, I find it's, it's very ironic on your part. I'm not sure whether you actually yeah. thought about that before you picked no, it. But not it, really. It's, it's a very fun pick. Forrest uh, will lock you up in a giant dome. Oh God, no, let's, let's not go there. <laughs> I mean, I mean the Simpsons as a, as a, as a TV series, it really does. It, it likes to, I, we still don't know the secret to it, if there's some sort of conspiracy behind it, but you know, <laughs> there's always online theories about how The Simpsons predicts these things, because you know, it predicted Donald Trump, it predicted lots and lots of other things, it, it, be they slightly altered, admittedly, but they actually sort of, the events themselves come into fruition many years later. Uh, <laughs> so I, I feel The Simpsons movie kind of emulates that whole future predicting stuff and you know but at the same time it's very funny humorous heartwarming and you know and no no one's going to be able to forget uh, several moments from that film as you say the quotes are just so quotable exactly no definitely and i also feel that um no one if you the reason why ollie mentions oh you won't be able to sort of his parents might have worried about showing him the simpsons movie there's especially that scene uh, the opening scene uh, with Bart on his skateboard, <laughs> where he <laughs> yeah. gradually loses his clothes and eventually ends up smacked into a window. And I think it's, is it Ned Flanders? Is it Ned Flanders? Ned Flanders, yeah. Ned Flanders covers his unmentionables with a hot dog or a corn dog or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to be honest. The bit before, that's one of my favourite jokes where everything is trying as hard as it can to cover his um, privates. Yeah, and it just goes through one bit where literally all it shows is that. <laughs> and to ten-year-old me, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure it's probably 
I'm not saying, I'm not speaking for everyone here, but I'm sure that was probably for anyone younger than us who might have got away with seeing it. And that might have been a little bit of an awakening for them uh, (laughs) and making lots of parents across the country and the world very uncomfortable about the questions they've been asked after they leave the (laughs) cinema going, mummy, what, daddy, what was, what was that thing we saw with Bart and the skateboard (laughs) at the beginning of the film? (laughs) But yeah, do you want to move on to your next your next pick now? Uh, it's not it's still two D animation, uh, but the yes. next your next sort of pick. So uh, this, so it's the Adventures of Tintin: Secret of the Unicorn, Secret of the Unicorn. Sorry, I picked this. I'd literally watched it about a day or two before you told me you'd asked me to pick my choices. Yeah, and it was stuck in my head because it's a really well made film. It's mm. um, directed by Steven Spielberg and written by among a couple of people, Stephen Moffat and Edgar Wright. Mm. Very ironic of my... group of people, really. Really, it's yeah, a strange it's... group of people. You've got a Hollywood heavyweight in the form of Steven Spielberg. You've got Stephen Moffat, who's basically all we know him as is like the biggest Doctor Who nerd on the planet uh, and writer. <laughs> and then Edgar Wright, who's like Shaun of the Dead, Baby Driver, everything British yeah, and I mean, iconic they're... in one go. Doctor Who, you'll like it. And if you like the Cornetta trilogy, you'll like it. And I was like, I love both of them. Like, <laughs> I've got no reason not to watch this. <laughs> I mean, um, it's interesting. Uh, sorry, I mentioned that it was 2D animation. Um, it's based on, there's, there are some, the original Tintin was all 2D animation, like very flat, very comic booky, And it, obviously there were books as well. Uh, but this one's more, it's 3D animation, I want to say. It's much more 3D and more realistic. Yeah. Well, not realistic, but... It's 3D, but it's also mixed with motion capture for the main characters mm. to give them that really human look. And it was, I've not really seen that many films that just solely rely on, on motion capture. Yeah, no, I mean, the, I think the example that comes to mind, I mentioned this on my Christmas episode, uh, the example that comes to mind when I think of performance capture, motion capture, uh, is The Polar Express, the Christmas film, The Polar Express, yeah. with Tom Hanks, <laughs> which... I remember watching as a kid, and I don't know what you think of it, but it's very haunting. I don't. It's very strange to watch now today. Like yeah. it's not bad, but it's very like some of the people in it are creepy as hell. <laughs> yeah, it, it, obviously a great film, but yeah. animation-wise, it, it has, hasn't aged too well. No, not Compared quite. To, I mean, it was recommended to me um, by another podcast. Funnily enough, <laughs> they basically said, "Do you like?" I mean. Which isn't a bad thing. There's absolute classics, such as I know you've mentioned it as one of your favourite, Toy Story. Oh, yeah, I love Toy Story. Love the Toy Story films. Well, the toys look absolutely fine. The humans <laughs> look absolutely oh, yeah. terrifying. The humans, I, I can safely say, like, you look at original Toy Story and you look at something, I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen the trailer. So you look at Soul or... Um, yeah, I was about, or, I was about or in, the same thing. Or Inside Out uh, or even Up. Up, which is a while ago now, a fair few years ago now, but even then, you know, yeah. they've come so far in terms of their human animation. Because oh, no, exactly. my lord, my lord, is it like Sid is a, meant to be a creepy character anyway in Toy Story, but like he's extra creepy because the animation's very, very off. <laughs> no, because I mean, there was a Twitter post going around fairly recently, mm. which was comparing um, the birthday party scene in Toy Story, yeah, with. Andy and all the other kids. And it was like, Andy was the only kid you could see properly. Yeah. The mum was kept, like, so her, most of her was just out of shot. And all the other kids were basically just reskinned models of the Andy model. Mm. 
Yeah. No, I think and I've seen that. Yeah. Comparing that to Soul, which came out this year. Again, I haven't seen it. But there's a whole, there's a scene where he's in a massive crowd of people and they're all unique. There's all these different body types, skin colors, hair colors. There's all this sort of uniqueness to it. And it's amazing to see how Pixar has grown in the 20 or so years. And it makes you think, what, what will there be in sort of 20 years' time? Will we be having... Yeah, like real photorealistic. Yeah, yeah. Fo- proper photorealistic animation. Although, to be honest, I feel with Pixar ones, and also so getting back to your pick of Tintin, um, I feel that animation has such a unique oh, uh, yeah, I th- thing to it that if yeah. you went too photorealistic, you just end up with... The no. live action in quotes live action lion king oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> lion king all over again <laughs> but you know you can't really you can't really go wrong with the animated style it doesn't matter how 3d you get or how realistic you get if you don't have that cartoonish look then yeah you'll i mean lose, you'll lose the magic of it a couple of these obviously animation is very much or was very much seen as a kid's thing it's thanks to certain shows like the original simpsons which sort of made it when Made people go, animation isn't just for kids. It's not just for families. It's a whole proper thing in its own right. I mean, you still do see it, but I think there's a lot less of a whole, I don't want to say negative, but outlook on animated films in the whole, I can't watch it because it's animated, must mean it's made for kids. I mean, a couple of, a couple of films I have chosen are made for kids, but... Yeah, that's, not the, that's not the point. <laughs> no, I, mean... <laughs> no I honestly, I couldn't agree more. Um admittedly uh, i'm gonna get to some of my picks later on uh and a lot of them are really aimed at kids initially but i do feel i feel with the pixar ones pixar as a studio have done quite well in the sense that they come they make they make films which are directed at kids but adults can watch them as well because they know they know that kids are going to be going to the cinema with their parents because you know in what you know no yeah i mean adults are always going to have to sit through these type of things so and so, and that's why we always get like little um little nods little nods to the adult audience every now and again but like i said i haven't i've seen the simpsons movie i love that i haven't seen tintin i have to admit i saw the promotional for it i didn't know didn't realize it was written directed by all those different people i think i might have remembered it was spielberg but i don't think yeah. i realized it was Edgar Wright. so i'll take you up on that recommendation right there uh, <laughs> watching it's um it's very sort of law i've not really read or seen much of the original tintin but you can tell it has a deep sort of love for the original things yeah which, um a couple of the other movies are meant i plan on mentioning are no. very much like that it's very much keeping you keeping what came before close mm. while being unique enough to stand on its own no exactly and yeah i'm just looking at the list that i've got down here i'm looking at the ones that you're about to mention and i feel for especially i think for the next one and i think your top pick i would say that's very true but i will let you move on to your next one now and if it, it, I have a feeling I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy this next bit. <laughs> uh, would you yeah. like to introduce your next pick? My next pick is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, hallelujah! Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned this. Because <laughs> if you didn't, I would have done. <laughs> it would have been a crime yeah. if you didn't. <laughs> um, I've missed this one when it first came out. I missed the sort of, I'd seen the hype about it, but I never got round to actually watching it. It wasn't until I was around a friend's house and I'd mentioned that I hadn't watched it. They went oh, no, no, you need to sit down and watch it now. Yeah. Literally put everything aside, sat down, and I was just glued to the TV for the next, however long, 
two hours or so. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, two hours yeah, honestly, I before you continue on to like explain any like highlights because I feel we need to discuss this one a little bit more because I also this is unashamedly on my list as well because it's one of my top picks. I love the unique animation style. So we talk about animation styles. So like uh, Pixar has a very unique style that's unique to its own studio and the way it works and everything and how its humans look like nowadays compared to its original <laughs> uh, terrifying humans. Uh, but now they have a unique style. Obviously you've got the Simpsons and anything made by Mac Renoning. Uh, yeah, all those ones like Futurama. But I do feel Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is truly a, delightful thing like visually it's beautiful to watch it's like you're watching an actual moving comic book because of the textures and the the way things move and what appears on screen it's just it's beautiful to watch and some of the cityscapes because it is new york city it's set in and i i love a new york film but you know it's it's a cartoony comic booky world and uh, I, I just love it like tell us about like any do you have any particular highlights from that film like any favorite scenes or anything little thing guys we will spoil this for you so if you haven't watched <laughs> yeah. it pause it pause the podcast now come back and then listen to what we say <laughs> no definitely it's, i don't know if i could choose just like a scene but absolutely amazing i think it's a lot of people have been in that position where Miles's journey from beginning of film to end of film. They're still learning, they're still having to grow as a person and having a character go through that compared to other Spider-Men and Spider-People and having to compare himself about that against it is a really good sort of plot to go with. And again, with sort of when his uncle at the end is or near the end is revealed to be one of the villains and unfortunately dies, you very much feel for the character. There's a lot of films and where I've watched them and the character's gone and I'm just like I didn't really feel anything for anyone mm, no exactly but I think just the way that film was made and it's the way it's sort of directed and everything really just really um, kept, it kept the illusion which obviously animated films is a lot harder to say oh it feels extremely real because it's animated but it definitely has that oomph behind it that makes it the emotion, I mean, people would probably say this of the latest, a lot of animated films, the like new ones that are coming out nowadays, uh, they're much more connected to human uh, emotion more mm. than any ever before. Because obviously in the days of classic 2D animation from Disney, yeah, they depicted humans a lot of the time uh, with like magical scenarios most of the time as well. But a lot of the time they did have humans in them and obviously portraying human emotions uh, in many aspects of different areas of life, usually, but mostly aimed at kids. Whereas now, I think there's a nice universality, universal, universality, the themes and the meaning and the motive behind mm. the film. So, you know, like Miles Morales in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is very, you know, he's a, he's a real kid. And yeah, he's put into unrealistic scenarios because, you know, he becomes a Spider-Man, Spider-Person. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, the actual you get to see that dynamic between his dad and his you know his home life with his parents. It's just and every all the other characters that surround him, they're all very genuine as much as you would get yeah. from a live action film. And I feel you know the fact that it's animated, it sort of adds an extra artistic value to it in the sense yeah. that especially Spider Verse because you know it like I said, it's like a living comic book. I mean, do you it have? Is. I know I know you can't pick a favorite scene or anything, but do you have any particular shots? 
you like from that? Because I, I have a few and I, I just love, I could talk about it all day, but I'm not going to. <laughs> One of the scenes where Miles is coming down off the building across this New York City. That is a really lovely shot. Um, oh, are you on about the one where he's um he jumps off the building and he's like upside down? I want to say he's like suspended in the air for a little bit. They sort of like go slow motion a little bit. I want to say yeah. that, and on the also the scene where they're escaping from the lab. Again, it uses a lot of that sort of comic style or comic book style text and um, design to really keep it um, to sort of help keep the scene interesting and sort of you're getting things like the sound effects pop up as well which is a really nice little touch before we move on to your next pick i do i want to push you what's your who's your favorite character from spider-man into the spider-verse spider-man noir you read my mind (laughs) spider-man is my favorite as well like nick cage as spider-man noir i actually want an entire like there's going to be a second so guys for those of you interested uh, spider-man into the spider-verse 2 will be coming i think it's 2022 i want to say yeah it's coming then but and hopefully we'll get to see spider-man noir again but i would love just a whole film dedicated to spider-man noir and his origin story and everything or even just an adventure that he's in because Nick Cage's voice works so well with the dark, gravelly, black and white shadiness of a noir character. And as you guys know who listen to the podcast, I love my film noir. Uh, and Ollie does as well. We both do. And it's just, it's such a unique version of Spider-Man that's not red and blue uh, suited. Uh, obviously, you've got Spider-Gwen. Uh, she's unique because her suit, it's completely different to any of the Spider-Men because she is a woman. But I just think that spider-man noir has such a unique very iconic look that i think we need to see more of him so hopefully he's in number two and hopefully he gets his own spin-off marvel sony if you're listening we want it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but moving on to your next pick for uh animation back to 2d animation now Uh, a little less technical a little bit more simple and definitely for kids but also i think if you're if you're up for a laugh i think this is quite a good one uh tell us a bit about your next one so this is Phineas and Ferb across the second dimension. A bit more of a niche choice compared to the others. I mean, Tintin isn't probably the most well-known, but I remember growing up on the like the Phineas and Ferb when it was came out, and it was it's one of the shows that made me went, I really want to work in animation one day. I really want to write for kids' TV. A lot of kids' TV shows around the sort of later part of our childhood became really sort of simplified and um, a lot more tell don't show which is a big shame growing up as a kid even sort of the really basic preschool shows they had proper characters sort of the likes of Bob the Builder or Pope and Pat or Thomas the Tank Engine you could all you could always tell which characters which Mm. because they all had a unique look on them you were able to sort of have each character stand up on their own which I think other shows sort of missed out um and this I think this show was a very much a return to form it very much felt like one of these sort of original Disney Channel shows that I grew up with I think that was and that really what kept me interested and it's so when the movie came out in 2011 I was really excited um and I remember sitting down and watching it on Disney Channel when it first came out um because obviously it's slightly different being a TV movie rather than a proper cinematic movie because Phineas and Ferb was so big. I remember it being really big yeah. when I was younger. I mean, I even watched it. I watched it when I was younger. And when people say Phineas and Ferb, I can always instantly picture the green hair, Perry the Platypus, the triangle face. Exactly. It's got that whole 
familiarity about the show, which the movie then, it managed to keep, everything seemed familiar, but it went, we're going to change the status norm. Yeah. Uh, and what, what actually happens in the film, because again, I'm very sorry, guys, but uh, as much as I loved Phineas and Ferb when I was younger, it's not something I actually caught when it came out. <laughs> I never watched it since. So tell us a little bit about the plot of that one. So it starts off as like a normal episode would. The main characters, Phineas and Ferb, attempting to build an invention, which is a platypus-themed uh, badminton. And they have it on two different ends of the town. And they load up into a shuttlecock, fly off, and fly straight into the building of the bad guy, Dr. Doofenshmirtz. For context, if anyone's not seen the show, Dr. Doofenshmirtz is this absolutely terrible, but not in an evil. Well, he's an evil scientist, but he's not very good at his job. Um, <laughs> it's the best um, way to describe him. And he's always, his yeah. plans are always being foiled by um, Perry, the platypus, who likes to wear a like a detective, uh, a fedora. Oh, it's, I, I love those segments the most. And I, I can imagine, even though I haven't seen this film, I can imagine those parts of it. Yeah, and then you, so you have these, these two sets of characters actually meeting properly for the first time. You have Phineas Ferb meeting Dr. Doofenshmirtz. And then Perry arrives, realises he can't be seen as Agent P in front of the kids. Yeah. But really can't be seen as Perry Platypus in front of Dr. Doofenshmirtz. Yeah. So he ends up going for the slightly less risky of turning back into his regular platypus self. Um, but no, the Tintin film is... Because uh, what's that? Is that uh, that's like World War Two based? Uh, period based, I want to say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I want to say so. I mean, I, I'm leaving that to you. Uh, I, I believe it is because I, I know the basics of the character. So he's very he's very old school. He's he's not all about super rays or like uh, science fiction concepts. Yeah, or anything. He's... Like He's a make, do and mend kind of character. And obviously, hmm. if you like your superhero films, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is just a great one. Origin story of Miles Morales, the his version of Spider-Man and how he came to fruition and his existence in the wider, as it's called, Spider-Verse. But I do that little recap before we get to the number one pick that you have got for us. And what is it? So my number one pick is the Lego movie. Um, and I wouldn't say, it's not just my top favourite animated film. It's probably one of my favourite films of all time. Oh, yeah. Now, this one has um, a special place in my heart, just as much as all of these films, really. A lot of these films we've mentioned, but it's just so... Yeah. It's so funny, because it's animated Lego, but it is like watching what you would do with your Lego figures as a kid, yeah. but without your hands in the way. Like I mentioned earlier, I have a love for stop motion. And while this isn't stop motion, it has a lot of that... A lot of the love that stop motion has it goes into this film you have a lot of quirks everything is made from lego there's no sort of substitute or anything with the exception of the humans at the end yeah little thing guys if you haven't again if you haven't watched it you need to watch it so we're going to discuss this little plot point now um so pause it now watch the film come back in a second but yeah um i just love i love the fact that will ferrell just turns up at the end it yeah just... it's it makes my day. <laughs> when I watched it originally, I didn't see it in the cinema. I wasn't, I, I modestly watched it on my own uh, on DVD. Uh, but I watched it and obviously Will Ferrell voices uh, one of the characters in the film. And you think, oh, that's cool. It's Will Ferrell. He's doing a voice. You know, it's mm. quite a big all-star cast. Um, is it, It's Chris Pratt that does the voice of Emmett, isn't it? The main, yeah, our main character. I, I just thought it was absolutely so meta and so funny mm. the moment you get like, oh, oh, it's the end of the what's going on. And the hand comes in and it's Will Ferrell invading <laughs> the Lego world, which is a child's Lego set. It's bizarrely meta, but it's bizarre in so many ways. It's just amazing. And I don't know, but tell us more about why you love it as an animated film. When making a film like Lego, it, you can almost have anything to work with. Lego is 
Lego characters, you've got almost a whole expansive world. They could have done almost anything, but they made sure it worked as an actual film before it became an, a product for or an advert for Lego, which I think is a really good thing because other films came after it. I know Playmobil did one. Just as not as good. It feels like it's gone, we need to promote a product, let's make a film, rather than we need to make a film and let's see if we can promote this at the same time. This has a whole um, thing that a whole family can enjoy. Very funny, it's very, characters are very upbeat. I, I, I love it. And also, this is the thing, the Lego movie, obviously it's had a sequel, the Lego movie too. Um, yep. But it's uh, the, the one that I can't, as an honourable mention, I feel we should mention, is the Lego Batman movie, is, is because of how popular yeah. Will Arnett's interpretation of Batman as a Lego character was in the Lego movie and Lego movie too. He got his own Lego Batman movie. And to be honest, it's a Batman movie, but it's Lego. And it, you know, it it perfectly, I would, I happily will accept that in the canon of any multiverse that exists within the (laughs) DC canon. I happily will accept that there's like a world made of Lego and that one day we will get to see Will Arnett and Michael Keating and, Christian Bale, all of them meet together. I, I will fully want to oh, yeah, see. I'll happily see that. Yeah, I'd happily see that because you know, I the intention because he's funny. This version of Batman, but he's he's serious. Everything he says is serious. Like like in the sense that he believes what he's saying is you know real and serious and like it's true to what he is. Uh, and yes, there is humor in there, like I said. But he's a credible Batman as much as any other. I mean, put it this way, he's a better Batman than uh, George Clooney ever was, but then again, <laughs> that's not hard to beat, let's be honest. <laughs> now, I want Lego Batman 2, for crying out loud. I want it to happen. <laughs> oh, I like happen. I feel, leading on to a couple of sort of other films that I bet, we've mentioned Toy Story already. People would say, oh, you can't beat the original. I'm, I'm thinking that's kind of one case where it has, you can say, oh, I, not that the sequels are better because the original will, will always hmm. be the best one in everybody's hearts and minds as the one to start the idea off. But I think for lots of people, especially me, uh, as a sort of a mention for me, I love Toy Story 2. I, I like 3 and 4, don't get me wrong. You know, they add more to the universe and stuff. But like, I mean, they probably should have just stopped after 3. It was perfectly ended, but they did 4 anyway. I've not seen 4, so I, I can't comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad film. The animation, <laughs> the animation, speaking because we're talking about animated films, the animation, the pro- progression, if you watch that first one and the fourth one, the details in like the world, the fabric, or the, the plastic even, the, the, ca- the toys are made of, it's so detailed. And like you can see the little scratches and scuffs on some toys. You can see like the real detail on the fabrics in Woody. It's great for that. But in terms of the storytelling, I feel that one to three was the perfect trilogy. Yeah. Uh, but two will always be the best one. <laughs> yeah, because... I'd probably go, I controversial, I'd probably go two, three, one. Oh, interesting. Um, but I think I'd be inclined to kind of agree with you in a way, although I would say one and two do tie for me. I can't really make my mind up on those. <laughs> uh, but two does stand out as probably my top one, I would say. So I'd probably go two, one, three. Do you have any honourable mentions? Just to quickly mention them. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Wallace and Gromit, A Matter of Life and Death. Oh, yes. The Peanuts movie. SpongeBob movie. Very similar to the Simpsons movie and why I love it. Cars. Solely because it's not so much one of my favourite films now. As a kid, 
I loved it. I was glued to it. I, oh, um, I can I can agree on that. Cars. I'll get into that in a little bit in a second. But I loved Cars when I was a kid. I I think I've still got the DVD, but I've worn it out probably to death because I've watched it that many times. <laughs> yeah, I have to watch it on Disney Plus. And do you have another one last honourable mention? Yeah, one last one. Despicable Me. Um, oh, had to be. Whilst we're here, so those are all really great. I love all those. I wanted to just talk to you very quickly. So these are my top five animated films i've mentioned toy story and toy story 2 they're kind of they come together for me i love them as one of them uh, isle of dogs which is a wes anderson film which is yeah, all stop, yeah, stop motion animation uh, i think you'll like it if you've seen fantastic mr fox which is also done by wes anderson based on the Roald Dahl yeah. book isle of dogs is really good i mean it had a bit of stick because of the fact it was referencing so many cultural stereotypes for japan uh, including sumo wrestling and um and also i think it's the mushroom mushroom cloud in the ex in the explosions uh, um there's a few controversial things about it but in terms of the film itself overall as an animated film it's a beautiful it took ages to do it's only an hour and a half uh, but it must have took ages to do because each of the, they're all individual puppets that they have to position and do for every frame and take pictures of and stitch all the pictures together uh, and it's got a brilliant voice card. It's got uh, Greta Gerwig's one of the voices as well. Uh, Brian Cranston. There's there's so many voices in that. It's a brilliant film. Iron Giant's another one that I like as well. A 2D one. That's a kids' film traditionally, but I still love to watch that to this day. It's a it's a great film. 1999. Uh, but it's just about a boy who becomes friends with this massive giant robot, which falls to Earth. He's an alien of some kind. There's no real big backstory to it, but he ends up. It's a kind of a bit of a Frankenstein monster effect, really, in the sense that people don't understand him, so they feel that he's a threat to them and he's an outsider and he's different to everyone else, so the locals want to lynch him, essentially. Uh, Cars as well. I have to agree with you. Cars is the first one. Watched it over and over again so many times. The story between the that generational storytelling of how mm -hmm. a new road overtakes uh, a, a, an old route which people used to take for a tiny little town and it'd be like the best stop ever and now it's just <laughs> bypassed completely by a brand new uh highway as they call them in america uh finally obviously spider-man into spider-verse as i said it's one of my top picks um but what else do you have to say is, is there anything film related you have that you'd like to say for that you're looking forward to in this year hopefully if things Ooh. sort of roll back to a bit of normality slowly slowly Looking forward to going back to the cinema when it's finally safe too. Yeah, no, as I'm um, hopefully that will be this year, but I, I imagine it might be beginning of next year before I can go and actually see a proper film. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Any particular titles you're looking forward to? Nothing's really propped up at the moment. New James Bond, when that finally does come out, would be quite good. Ah, oh, New James Bond, I agree with that, and um, also The King's Man. I'm looking forward to. I think we should go and see that. I heard about that one. Yeah, The King's Man, the prequel to The Kingsman, uh, with it's got Ray Fiennes in it as well, which should be quite, yeah. quite good. Hopefully, I know, I know our friend Sean's quite excited about that. Uh, so I'm sure we'll have to do a cinema trip when we can. <laughs> yes. No, definitely. I mean, there's also a couple of films I've I've not got around to watching that I do want to start watching. Um, Jojo Rabbit. Ah, <laughs> oh, you see me again. Me and my friend Sean, who hopefully I'll get on the podcast at some point. We went to see Jojo Rabbit. I can safely say it's one I definitely recommend. It was one of the only films I saw in the cinema last year. One of six films, as I said on my New Year's episode. <laughs> but it's it's truly a it's a lovely film, beautiful film. Um, so I, re I recommend that to you. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm excited for all of those. Uh, but yeah, any last messages you want to say to the listeners as we're here? No, nothing I can think of. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem at all. I'm, gl- I'm glad to have someone sort of bounce these things off of and just sort of open a conversation. And hopefully whoever's listening to this is enjoying it as well. So thank you for listening, guys. And um, so, yeah, thanks very much for coming on, Ollie. It's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah. And it's been great having you on. I mean, obviously, I like to expand these conversations out many, many times to just get different views from my friends, from people in the industry, uh, people who are just creatives like us. Uh, I'm excited to see what you do with your animation, Ollie. Uh, Guys, if you're interested in what he's doing, I shall link that into one of our tweets or his YouTube channel. I'll send it out there. And if you want to know anything more about any of the films we talked about, obviously, just use your search engine, use your streaming service. One of them will be on there. And yeah, just keep an eye out for new episodes of the podcast. So that's a wrap on Take 97, a film podcast, the animated films edition with me, your host, David Ingram, and my guest. Oliver Marvin. Thank you very much. (laughs) That's all right. No problem. Um, Thank you very much. And I'll see you on the next episode, guys, for more fun, banter, chat and chit chat, all things about film, hopefully some more movie news as well and some more positive vibes in these troubling times. I'll see you later, guys. (laughs) 